Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Welcome back to Issues Etc. It's time to go through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. We've got questions and comments on election results and the imminent return of Christ, paradise versus heaven, and teachers and transgender students ahead. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the Issues Etc. listener comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's begin with Jason in Arizona. He writes, election day was not even close to the predicted red tsunami. The people have prioritized killing and mutilating children over inflation or preventing the cognitively impaired from serving in the Senate. The most conservative and reliable polls were wrong. Is this nation circling an amillennial drain one step closer to Christ's return with no hope for better days? When a nation embraces death and redefines marriage and gender, don't we get what we deserve. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening in Tucson, Jason. Well, cutting to the chase, yes, we're always one step closer, one day closer to Christ's return. Every day, we're one day closer. We are counting down. There's nothing on the prophetic agenda that needs to be accomplished before Christ can keep his promise. The Bible's quite clear that we ought to expect him to return at any time. He will come as a thief in the night, but Christians are not to be unaware that he says there are signs. And I'm not talking about stuff you may read in the newspaper, but there are signs that are constantly at work, and Jesus names them in Matthew's gospel. So we shouldn't always expect Christ's return. I think sometimes when things are kind of falling apart, Christians become more anxious for Christ's return, more as a relief from their anxiety than for out of you know a genuine desire for Christ to return. But we should always be praying for that. Now, the polls have proven to be deceptively inaccurate. I'm not a pollster, but I have kind of my layman's opinion on that, that what we're really measuring in polls is the willingness of people to talk to pollsters. And people who are willing to pick up the phone or answer a pollster's questions are probably not entirely representative of the average voter. So the average voter probably, when he sees an unknown number pop up on his cell phone, doesn't answer it. So we're not getting their opinions in these polls. These polls are, if they're being done by cell phone or a home phone, you might just be talking to someone who wants, who's lonely. Or you might be talking to someone who really wants to express their opinion. The average voter just wants to be left alone. So we're not getting a representative example. And I think even the pollsters understand this. They understand that there are certain things about their business that either can't be fixed or very, very difficult to fix. Which is why you see polls rated and graded and averaged and corrected for their accuracy by aggregate places like 538 or Real Clear Politics. They look at the polls and they average them out because they're they're trying to get some accuracy. 538 was way off in its predictions on November 8th, and then what happened did not materialize. So that's the layperson's perspective on the inaccuracy of polls. Is it discouraging to see apparently 
voters in the United States caring less about actually actively voting for things like abortion? Is that discouraging? Yes, it is. My private, entirely private opinion is that with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, God is giving the United States a second chance. All right, guys, you screwed it up 50 years ago. Let's get it right. That's not that he's treating the United States in any different way, but every country, he deals with them this way. Someone says, well, God doesn't care how people vote. Yes, he does. Because voting is part of our loving our neighbor and part of our responsibility and right. And actually, voting does have results that either hurt or help our neighbor. And it's very discouraging to see the United States kind of slipping into an apathy toward the unborn, in some cases even an antipathy toward the unborn. And yes, that does make us long for the return of Christ. I don't think I'm telling any secrets when I say that there's no turning back the clock on the United States. We had kind of this honeymoon period with our Christian foundations. Not, we're not a Christian nation, but we, had, we were founded largely by Christians. And so that influenced the way our country looked at things, wrote its laws. But I think the populace of the United States has decided that they don't want that anymore. So we Christians find ourselves, as we always were, but didn't always realize we were, as strangers and foreigners and at active enmity with the world. I think my pastoral advice would be get used to it and teach your children to get used to it because they're going to live in a world that's going to be far more hostile toward what they believe, what they teach, and what they confess. But getting used to it doesn't mean giving into it or no. being apathetic about it. It's Ap- fighting it. Right. Confessing. But, yeah, speaking, confessing. <laughs> acting. This is, this is not the time for Christians to withdraw into their enclaves and say, well, the world won't listen to us anyway, so we're not going to say anything. There are places where we can withdraw into enclaves for the sake of our kids and our grandkids to protect them, but that doesn't mean we stop confessing. A church that stopped confessing, I like the way that Herman Zoss said, a church that won't confess does not deserve to be called the church any longer. It, it is what the church does in the world is confess. All of God's word, not just the stuff that the world kind of winks and smirks at like, Jesus loves you. All of God's word, the whole counsel of God, Jesus says, everything whatsoever I have commanded you. We don't get to pick and choose what part of God's word we want to defend. You find a pastor who basically says, well, we're just, you know, come on. We're not going to fight that battle. We've lost that battle. You need to get a different pastor. If he won't confess and equip you to confess to, even if it's just like spitting in the wind, and it may be, then he, he doesn't deserve to be called a pastor. He needs to equip you to confess all of God's word. Are we perhaps seeing in the United States God speaking through the Apostle Paul, Romans one twenty eight, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, it's a, it's a, God gave them up to a debased <laughs> mind to do what ought not to be done? I don't know how you explain the insanity. I think what would have been in 10 years ago been considered the clinical insanity 
of either individuals or groups or political parties, except with Paul's description there, that having rejected God and, and traded out the image of the true God for whatever other image they want, he gives them over to their debauchery, he gives them over to their sin. That's a, a temporal form of judgment on God's part. Then he allows their minds to be blinded to the truth. He gives them more of what they want as judgment against their sin. And yes, Paul is speaking generally there about the fall of man, but he's also, I think, describing the situation that he found himself in and that we find ourselves in. And he's saying, look, this is, now you remember how he ends that. He ends that entire discourse on the downward spiral of sin into insanity, into irrationality by saying, so no one has an excuse before God. It's an indictment of all of us, but it's also a very accurate description of what we're seeing in the world around us, what we're always seeing in the world around us. Mel writes, I was listening to Pastor Peter's talk on the myths about eternal life and how some of them are due to our own making about what we want to hear. At the same time, he said many times that when we die, we go to heaven. Is this what scripture says? Listening to Dr. Scare this week, he said he is very careful on what is said at funerals. He says that your loved one is with Jesus. My own minister might also say that they are in paradise, for example, the thief on the cross, but is very hesitant to say that you go to heaven when you die. This notion that you go to heaven is reserved for the resurrection. Thoughts? Is this due to different heavens? Seems as a church we should be careful on what we say, stick to scripture and simply say it is better than life on earth. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening, Mel. No, I don't think we we need to be agnostic about the disposition of our loved ones who have died in Christ. I don't think we, because the book of Revelation quite clearly depicts the souls of those who've been martyred for Christ in the heavenly courtroom. They're right there under the altar. So they are in the presence of Christ. The definition of what heaven is, the nearer presence of Christ, where God is, God's dwelling place. We don't have a, a very clear definition of what heaven is as a state in, in scripture, but we can with all confidence say, if we can say of one believer who's died in Christ that they're in heaven, in the heavenly courtroom, <laughs> then we could say it of all believers who have died in Christ. We don't need to keep it ambiguous. So I agree with you that we don't want to overstate what the disposition of our loved ones who have died in Christ are. We don't want to add to it where all these myths come from, but we can say of those who have died in Christ that they are with Christ in the heavenly realms, and that they await the resurrection. This is all very sound biblical stuff. They await the resurrection, and then after the resurrection, it's a new heaven and a new earth. That is a new universe, a resurrected universe. And we can say that with absolute confidence. Don't let me forget that Easter 2023, I want to schedule Dr. Jeff Gibbs of Concordia Seminary to do an in-depth show on the resurrection of the body. Easter 2023. Yes. All right, we'll plan ahead. Renata. Hi, Pastor Wilkin. What happened to the Kramer Chapel broadcasts from Concordia Theological Seminary? We really miss them. What happened to them? Not much. They're still at our website, right? If you go to issuesetc.org. No, I, I've not updated them because there was no chapel yesterday. No, there's no for two weeks. 
So, so you're good. They're so, there. So issuesetc.org slash Kramer dash chapel. They're all there. If you want to sit there in front of your PC or laptop and, and listen to them like that. But they're also available as a podcast. It used to be on the Issues Etc. feed, podcast feed. And it was, to be honest, full transparency here, it was inflating our download numbers by including Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. We, we always want to have very accurate download numbers that we're able to track. And having that in the same RSS feed was artificially inflating issues, et cetera's download numbers. So we broke it off into its own separate RSS feed. But for the next two weeks, you won't be hearing new chapels because they're not having chapel at Fort Wayne. Correct. But, and, but it's also available via podcast providers, but it's not under issues, et cetera anymore. No. It's morning chapel from Kramer chapel type in an Apple podcast. Spotify, all the different podcast providers, and you'll find it there as well. I am gratified by the fact that if we either through human error or circumstance like this don't have a chapel posted for just one day, people will inquire about it. That's good to know because it shows people are taking advantage of it and listening to it. Actually, the email came in last week, but still, oh. it's still good. Good. <laughs> but the, so, uh, what happened uh, last week? No, she's just looking. I think she's a podcast listener. Oh, and she's looking for it. We took it off the podcast feed this year. The good news is, I was looking. We're projecting that is a poll. This is not a poll. I'm, it's a projection <laughs> that we last year we had six point four million downloads, counting the Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel podcast. I think looking at current trends, current download traffic, we'll still. Surpass last year's 6.4 million with about 7 million downloads in 2022, not counting several tens of thousands of downloads of Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. So, and that's very good. Am I right about we're adding about a million? This is not cumulative. This is during the course of one year. We'll have in one year, we had 5 million. The next year, we had a not cumulative, but just during the course of that year, 6 million. And now we're on track toward. Seven million in the course of one year. Well, we'll go from six point four to seven, so it's Good. really about a half a million. Is that about as fast as we've been going in the past? I, th- I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, we've been going since two thousand eight, and we're at seven thousand. So I don't think that's a, a million right and we, and per we, year. We don't want to deceive anybody because the worst thing you can do in radio is over under over or underestimate your audience. But overestimate is usually what happens. We don't want to. This is downloads, not listeners. Much fewer than six or seven million listeners, seven million downloads, which is good news, but it don't that doesn't interpret into... So to answer that question, unique listeners. So these are people coming from different IP addresses. We average about 50,000 unique listeners every month to the podcast. And thanks to our listeners for doing it. When we come back, we're going to go through more listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. Talk back at issuesetc.org. And the comment line, 618-223-8382. 
Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at preludetopostlude.org. I think every man, every Christian, should consider, at least, the possibility of God calling him into the holy ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Carl Fakencher of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Because that's the way that God has designed for faith in Christ Jesus to be spread, for the gift of eternal life that Christ Jesus earned by his death and resurrection to be shared with people by the washing of baptism for infants and for adults, for the instruction, the proclamation of the word that happens uh, on a nonstop basis in God's kingdom. God uses people, he uses men to be those proclaimers, to be those men who who share the, the sacraments. If you've ever considered becoming a pastor, contact Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Their phone number, 1-800-481-2155, 1-800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Logia Journal, the Confessional Dogmatic Series. The works of Kurt Marquardt and many other resources are all brought to you by Luther Academy. Did you know that during this time of COVID-19, your purchases and donations help Luther Academy supply these same resources to pastors around the world? Please consider helping us with this important need through your prayers and financial support. Learn how you can help by visiting lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Bethel Lutheran Church in Howard City, Michigan, preaches Christ and Him crucified. At Bethel, God's word of salvation is boldly proclaimed in all its truth, and the sacraments are rightly administered. These means of grace help us peacefully navigate the craziness of this world. Bethel is centrally located between Grand Rapids and Big Rapids, just two miles east of US 131. Our divine services are at 9.30 a.m. Join us this Sunday to receive God's marvelous gifts of grace. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. This comes from Bonnie. She says, I'm so very grateful to have Issues Etc.'s programming to help keep me informed, help me understand complex situations, and most of all, strengthen my faith through Issues Etc.'s consistent faithfulness to God's truth and promises. This note will address a very recent concern that came to my attention when chatting with a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod missionary. With the start of this year's school year, she has had an increasing number of students comment to her about seeing their gender different from their birth gender. 
She has avoided any direct comments to these students as she has not been asked directly to refer to them using opposite pronouns. She has talked to her missionary mentor in the area. My friend's opinion is to, is to speak God's truth in love. The missionary mentor's opinion is it's okay to affirm their alternative identity, which she sees as a go-along-to-get-along position. My friend has talked with two trusted pastors she knows personally and feels they have not been very helpful as their only encouragement is to, quote, stay strong in the faith, end quote. My friend needs help sorting out words that can be used to share God's word in truth and love. She states she is hesitant to talk with anyone in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Mission Office because she doesn't want it to appear that she is tattling on her mentor. Thank you for listening. I pray the Holy Spirit will guide each of us through these surreal and disturbing times, concludes Bonnie. So it's not only here, it's also out in the mission field. And Bonnie, I'm sad to hear that your missionary friend is being ill-advised by her missionary mentor. That's disappointing and underserved by the pastors that she's spoken to. And maybe it's just that they're at a loss as to what to do. I've spoken with and read quite a bit about this, and I think you have to draw some very dark lines in the sand. On Now we're talking about basic grammar and how you express yourself. Ryan Anderson, who's written when, when Harry Became Sally, The Transgender Moment, I think I've heard him say several times, if someone legally changes their name to something else, then he says, I will recognize a name change. If it's a legal change, people can change the name to anything they want to, all right? And we'll call them by that name. But he draws the line at pronouns. Because he says, you're entitled to whatever name you want, but you're not entitled to your own pronouns because that's referencing an objective reality outside yourself. You may think anything you want, but he's not going to either humor or somehow go along with someone's preference here. Or even, it may even in some cases not just be a preference. We're talking about a social contagion here. I think we can all admit the numbers now indicate beyond a shadow of a doubt that with the, especially with young people, this is a social contagion that is exacerbated by social media. If we could turn the internet off, this would be done in about six months. And irresponsible adults. Well, yes, and irresponsible adults. adults. Teachers, you name it. So the pronouns, I'm entitled to use the pronouns that correspond with reality, not with your reality. I have to, I'm sorry about you not being able to deal with Ralph. I'm going to speak a little harshly here. I'm sorry that you have a hard time dealing with reality such as it is, whatever it is, maybe your, your gender, your birth sex, whatever it may be. But I got to live in reality every day. I do not have the luxury of choosing my own. And that's why we would draw the line at the pronouns. This really is a war on reality. And the people, many, many, many of the people, especially the young people, who are getting caught up in it are the victims of this war. They may think that they're combatants. They may think that the foot soldiers, but they're not. They're the pawns in this war. And that makes them the victims in this war. They're cannon fodder for ideologues who are more than willing to ruin lives in order to advance their version of reality. And I think that's how you approach these students. You first of all realize that they are victims of this ideology. 
and that they have been acted upon by forces that no previous generation of young people has had to encounter. I didn't have to deal with this when I was growing up. Even my children didn't have to deal with this when they were growing up. They were adults by the time, mostly adults by the time social media became the, the vector of this social contagion. So this group of young people who've never known life apart from social media, who live much of their lives on social media, this group of young people are being subjected to forces that no other young generation has ever had to face. And they are very powerful and, for many of us, unforeseen forces. I don't think the guys in the university and the military who conceived of the Internet as a way of global exchange of information ever thought that it would have the power that it does. I don't think they ever conceived of that, that it would have the power that it does over the minds of young people. Did the devil? Oh, sure he did. I mean, he was planning on this. He was just waiting for the technology to catch up. Once the technology caught up, he was ready to go. He had a plan. So let's remember that these young people are victims, that they're unwitting victims. They may be dedicated to this, or they may just be going along with what they think makes them kind of odd. I'm a unique flower blooming in the desert, and so is everybody else. So I think we need to have sympathy there, but we cannot in any way whatsoever compromise the real. We cannot go and say, I'm going to adopt your reality. And the pronouns are a way of simply compromising, saying, okay, you can have your reality. And it doesn't stop here. So I think we need to be aware of the fact that this is just the first salvo against our children. And the fact that there are parents who are complicit in this, there are parents who, for the sake of social status, that's really what it is, say, yes, oh, yes, I got a transgendered kid too, and encourage their children that we can't tell the difference between a boy and a girl, or as someone put it recently, that a girl grows up and doesn't adopt the stereotypical girl preferences, we suddenly say, oh, they must not be a girl. No, maybe they're just... Maybe there is somewhere on the spectrum of what we expect, how we expect girls to express themselves. Maybe one on the, on the far end. I will speak a word of encouragement here, which is I do believe that this is completely unworkable and completely untenable. That the whole notion of the, of the transgender ide- ideology finds itself at war with everything. Everything. The latest one is an act of war against women. The transgender ideology says women who insist that they are women and that there's a sexual binary are the enemy. Isn't that ironic? Sadly and tragically ironic. So I'm not saying this is going to work itself out. Or maybe it will, but it's going to hurt a lot of people, especially young people, in the process. Here's a snail mail. We don't get much snail mail anymore. Pastor John Roots of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Perrysburg, Ohio, writes types on a piece of paper with a printer. He said, we appreciate the congregation being listed on your find a church page. We have had a number of your listeners from other states who have found their way to shepherd of the Valley as a result of that listening. Thanks for informing us and thanks for your support. We're happy to do it. It's, it's nice for a pastor to hear when you ask the pastor says, what brought you to our church? It's nice to hear 
as often as we do, oh, I was listening to issues, et cetera, and then I was in the area, and I saw the, the congregational sponsor list, and I decided to go and visit there. And most Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregations are planning their budgets for 2023, and you can be like Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Perrysburg, Ohio, and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc., by including issues, etc., in your church's mission or advertising budget. There's a simple one-page flyer on the support donate page at issuesetc.org, or give Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson a call, 618-223-8385, become an Issues, etc., congregational sponsor in 2023. Diane writes, Hi, Pastor Wilkin. Thank you so much for having Dr. Jack Kilcrease on talking about the doctrine of justification. I have thought about this topic for many years, especially the ideas of making faith a work and the two types of justification, objective and subjective. His explanations were superb, dare I say brilliant, concludes Diane. I agree with you entirely there, and I think he has uh, tapped into something that needed some correction, but we just hadn't noticed that it was a problem in that recent work of his. So thank you very much, and I'm glad we were able to answer some of those longstanding questions with you. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we're going to spend some time with Pastor Tom Baker teaching a Sunday School lesson on both the baptism and the temptation of Jesus in Luke chapters 3 and 4. Then, Wesley Smith, Senior Fellow at the Discovery Institute Center on Human Exceptionalism, will join us. We'll talk about a new study on assisted suicide and how it actually corresponds to an increase in overall suicides as well. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Do you want a church with a rockin' band and a sermon series to help you live a better life? It's not here. Bethany Evangelical Lutheran Church in Fairview Heights offers authentic, historic Christianity to a world awash in fads and entertainment and offers forgiveness of sins to people overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Join us Sundays at 9.30 on Old Collinsville Road in Fairview Heights, Illinois, to receive the life-giving gifts of God with us. Find out more online at BethanyLCMS.org. Have you thought about eternal life? When does it begin? What is eternal life? Well, your eternal life does not begin when your body, earthly body, fails and is laid into the grave. It begins, in fact, in the waters of holy baptism, where you were tied to the death of Christ and in him you were raised. To learn more about this topic of eternal life, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.